Episode 11 of the Posting and Toasting Podcast, Friday edition. Sean St. Jacques back at it again this week with some more Knicks talk. Excited to have you guys back in the fold as well. Thanks as always for listening to the podcast. Thanks for all the great ratings and reviews you guys have been leaving on iTunes and at postingandtoasting.com as well as our Twitter feed as well. So appreciate you guys interacting with the show. Uh, A couple things to start it off with. Going to have a new name hopefully for the show next week. Still waiting on uh, approval uh, of a couple of the ideas that we have for a new name of the show. Uh, just for just for the, the fans' sake, for you guys, we have submitted your picks for the new name of the show. So we're hoping that uh, we get that settled for next week. We'll have questions back next week as well. Hopefully give a chance to open up the mailbag again. Have you guys ask ask any question you want, whether it's about the Knicks sports in general about me uh any tips you need any anything you need any questions you have uh we'll hopefully bring that all back on the next podcast because there are two big topics i want to discuss on the show today we have to get to the u.s men's national team losing in the fiba world cup and we have to get to that for two reasons one uh it happened the u.s men's national team for basketball lost in uh in its first competitive game since i believe 06 in athens in the semifinals so it's it's a long time it's been 58 games since the u.s lost a competitive game with all nba players that's a big deal but the bigger deal the big reason why we're even bringing it up is that frank nilakina played a huge part in the u.s's loss because they lost to france in the quarterfinals and it opens back up the question that i asked last week which is what are you going to do with frank nilakina come october uh it's interesting now especially how he played against a team filled with nba players there's no question about that i want to get to something that ennis Cantor said later on in the show and why you, you really shouldn't take it with much of a grain of salt um or should you should take it with a grain of salt i should say We'll get to that later on as well. I might dive into a little bit of uh, of the Fizdale and Coach K stuff, maybe if we have time as well. Because other than that, it's been a bit of a slow Knicks week, I have to say. Uh, other than the, the Nilakina and Knicks stuff with with the with the FIBA World Cup and with the Ennis Cantor stuff, and to be fair, Derek Rose said said stuff about we, the triangle we already knew. You know, it's a slow week. That, that that's something I'll. I'll preface the the tail end of the show with, but I, but I gotta dive into the Frank Nilakina stuff first. How he played against the U.S. basketball team, it, it's it's. I, I'm I've been going back and forth on this in my head, preparing for this week's show. I really have been. I, I've heard a number of people who I respect already talk about this topic uh, in the last you know what twenty four forty eight hours. Uh, since Nilakina did what he did against the U.S. Let me break down the performance first. Um, so Nilakina, I believe he had, let's see, he had 11 points on 5 of 9 shooting, 1 rebound, 3 assists. Now that's not great, in my opinion. I know it's against a team of all NBA players. Uh, to be fair, I'm not a huge fan of the players that were picked for this U.S. team because of uh, who who didn't end up playing in the FIBA World Cup, which we've already talked about multiple times on the show a couple episodes ago. If you want to go back and listen to that show, 
iTunes is probably the best way to go to, to go back and listen to prior episodes of either my podcast or the Posting and Toasting show as well. Uh, that's the best way to do it. Um, and subscribe while you're there and leave us a good rating and review. Um, but in the meantime, uh, the, the big number that everybody's looking at is the plus 22 for the game. The, the second best mark of any player on either team. And for those that don't know what the plus minus system is, basically when Frank Nilakina was on the court, France was 22 points better than the United States. I, I, I go back and forth with the plus minus stuff. I, I really do. I, I don't take too much stock into it. Um, maybe less stock than most people would. Uh, I don't love how it's calculated. Um, I, I, I feel like it, it kind of leaves too many, too many question marks as to what the impact was on defense, what the real impact was on offense. What if you were on the floor for those minutes and just somebody went off and now all of a sudden it's plus 22 or you could have gone off too, but it doesn't, it, for me, it doesn't include some big things. Now, listen, the numbers for me tell Frank, tell me that Frank was efficient. Five of nine from the field is, is, is relatively good against an NBA team, but a three assists is really low for me for where Nilakina is at. And if you're plus 22 and you only have three assists, that to me is not very good because Frank's not doing his job on the court. So I, that's that to me is why and 11 points as well. Not fantastic. So I can go the other way and say, yeah, plus 22, but he didn't have a lot of points and assists. Now, to be fair, I watched the game and I came away second guessing my take last week. I did. I did. I'll be honest. I came away thinking, oh boy, I just, I just totally bashed him on the last podcast. I didn't bash him. But I basically said the Knicks should not re-up his contract. Whether it's, you know, to not pick up the option in October is what I said. And then likely the Knicks would not re-sign him at the end of, of this upcoming season. That's what I said on the last show. I don't know where I'm at now. I, I got to be honest. I'm kind of back in the middle on Frank Nilakina. Now, here's here's where my thought process has been. Pros and cons here. The pros, Frank finally had a solid game against a good team in this tournament because the competition leading up to this has not been very good that France has played in this tournament for the most part. He finally did it against a team filled with NBA players. That to me is a good sign. He did it against Kemba Walker and Donovan Mitchell and, and guys that can really put up a lot of points. And for the most part, he did a decent job on Kemba Walker in the game. Now, I think Donovan Mitchell went off in this game. He had a really strong performance for the U.S. But Frank seemed to, for the most part, get the assignments on Kemba Walker and did a decent job. Now, the other thing that the people are pointing to is the way that that Frank Nilakina did two things well. He, he kind of helped swing the momentum back towards France in the fourth quarter. And most of it was with that full court pressure on the U.S. guards. And he ends up scoring a huge bucket with 2.15 to go, I believe, in the game. 
pretty important basket in the contact. I think it was a long two that Nilakina hit. Uh, that's been blowing up on social media. Everyone's talking about that shot that he hit. And to be fair, you know, Nilakina, if, if memory serves, it's not the first time that he's hit a big shot. With the Knicks, he's hit a couple of big threes throughout his few years with the team. But the other thing to keep in mind is that, you know, this past season was barely on the court. He's dealt with some injuries. And those moments have been very few and far between. I, I can't even remember what, who the three, it might've been against Cleveland. I think he had a big three at one point, but I can't tell you when that game was. I don't remember, but I remember coming away from that game thinking, all right, Frank hit a big shot. That's good. I, I come back to this on Frank. Here's why I'm still very skeptical and why I'm, I'm tending to not change my thought process here over the one game. And by the way, you know, to, to be fair, I'm not even knocking, I'm not going to knock our, our, our colleagues at my fellow colleagues here at posting and toasting for going nuts on the website over this game. I, I go ahead, go ahead, go nuts, post all the good stuff that Nilakina has done. Go nuts. I'm with you. I was excited. I was excited watching it. Even though, and I'll get to why I wasn't excited about the U.S. team in a second. But I was excited watching Frank do what he was doing. Now, again, for most of the game, there were a lot, there were a lot of other parts of the game where I was like, where's Frank? Where is he? I, I thought in the first half, Frank offensively did, didn't do a whole lot. Second half, defensively kind of picked up for him even more. And he hit a couple of big shots, including that big one with 2.15 to go. That, you know, some were saying was a dagger. Um, it was a big shot. A dagger is hitting a shot with under a minute to go to give you a two possession lead. That's a dagger. There's two fifteen to go. He does hit a big shot, but if Kemba Walker hits a three at the other end, it's still a one possession game and you got to hit another shot. There are, there are different levels to big shots, which we can get to on another show. I'm not going to get to that now. Because this is the FIBA World Cup. We're not talking about the NBA playoffs here. We're not talking about a big shot at the end of the season to keep your postseason hopes alive. We're talking about the FIBA World Cup. It's still a big shot. So please don't make, please don't come in the comments and say, well, you're diminishing what Frank did. I'm not. He hit a big shot. He had a big game. And there is some merit in the plus minus. Plus 22 is great. But it's misleading to me. It's misleading when you only gave up, rather when you only had three assists and 11 points. That's a little misleading to me. I know defensively he played well and that factors in. But that to me, I still feel like he's, he, it's one game. It's one game. Frank's had other games. That's kind of what I'm leaning towards here. Frank's had other games where he's been good. And he's shown signs. But I come back to this question. Is it good enough for you to say, you know what? We're going to sign Frank Nilakina long-term. We're going to give him a new contract. Or we're going to pick up the option on his contract and give him another $8 million. 
to me, and I hate to say it, maybe I don't, I, I still, I'm sticking to my guns. I think the answer is no. I, I, I'm not convinced after one game against the United States, a watered-down United States, that that's good enough for the Knicks. I don't know if it is. Am I a little more encouraged? Yes. Not a whole lot more encouraged. He still wasn't great offensively for most of the game. Defensively, it was, it was one of the better performances I've seen from him in a while. But remember, he was hurt last year. Didn't play a whole lot. So, like, what are we comparing this to? The bar for me on Frank Nilakina is really low. Keep that in mind when you're going nuts about this. And again, I'm not trying to take the joy away from you. I was also happy to see this. That a Nick was playing well on the international stage against the top team in the world. Although, again, I'm going to get to that in a second, too. I I just don't feel like this is enough yet from Frank Nilakina. I just don't see it. I, I got I to gotta see two things. Because I, I, I hear you right now, every, all the Knicks fans saying, well, then what is good enough, Sean? What is good enough? Here's what's good enough for me. Numbers-wise, I I get what you're probably thinking. It's got to come along gradually and things like that. But for me, I have got to see Frank Nilakina come out in the first one or two months of this season for at least the start when the Knicks are still winning games to try to be in the playoff hunt. I got to see Nilakina week in and week out giving me good performances. I can't see it be inconsistent all the time from him but i feel like that's also i i I feel like i'm asking for too much because i know what i'm gonna get i know what i'm gonna get out of frank he goes through a week where he's great defensively he's doing well he's making a couple of big shots and then the next two weeks he's terrible scared to shoot scared to drive not picking guys up getting lost in transition not confident one-on-one on the perimeter That's what I'm worried about, people. Because, again, even in the short time we've had Frank Nilakina, he has shown some bright spots. But it's usually followed by a terrible stretch. So you know what I want? I want to see a month of good Frank Nilakina. I want to see progress. I want to see him out there night after night and me thinking, you know what, I'm confident in what Frank Nilakina can bring to this team whether it's off the bench or whatever. Because if he gets relegated to the bench and David Fisdale can't trust him after a month or two, you're going to be regretting giving him that team option in October. I'm telling you that right now. You're going to regret it. $8 million is a lot of money that the Knicks could use in 2020's free agency period. My question to you is, is it worth that much money, what Frank Nilakina is giving you right now? My answer is no. It's not. You can disagree with me. I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you on this. Let me know what you think, because, I, I listen, I want to hear from the Knicks fans out there. I really do. Postingandtoasting.com's comment section, 
on Twitter, posting and toasting, or at SJ7. Let me know. Because listen, it's not that, I get it. It's not that simple with Frank. It's not. I get it. A top 10 pick. To be fair, under an old regime, Phil Jackson, I think it was Phil Jackson's last pick was Frank Nilakina. His last, you know, important pick. I, I, I always get frustrated talking about Frank only because, and listen, it's nothing against him. He's a great kid. He works hard. But his play leaves a lot to be desired on the court. And again, when he has these games, when he's good, I'm always cautiously optimistic with Frank. I am. Because I don't know when we're going to see that again. It's never been a two or three week stretch when Frank's been good. And you're just like, hey, he's been, he's been consistently good for a while now. It doesn't work like that with him. I get he's young, but when's it going to happen with him? You got to make the tough decisions if you're the Knicks organization. And to me, I, I think you cut bait with Frank. I still think you do that. I, I, I think you let him play out this season. But I don't think you give him the option. And, and I think that at the end of this season, you reevaluate where he's at. And listen, here's where I come down on the on the season part of this. I say you decline the option. Let him play out the season. And if he's good... Keep him. Sign him to a new contract. But if he's not, and, and you know, on your terms, what you think he's worth. But if you don't think he's good enough, now you have the option to say, you know what, Frank? It's not working out. We wish you the best of luck. Try somewhere else. And if you think that's harsh, I, I don't think you've been watching enough of Frank Nilakina over these first two or three seasons. <laughs> I think that's the bottom line. Because listen, Yes, you're playing NBA players, but remember, this is Team USA. These guys don't play together a whole lot. And you're not playing James Harden or Russell Westbrook. You're not guarding those guys. You're not guarding Damian Lillard for 40 minutes. Now listen, I'm not saying Kemba Walker and Donovan Mitchell are scrubs. They're not. They're very good players. And by the way, Nilakina will be guarding Kemba Walker a lot this upcoming season if he plays with the Knicks. So it's a good sign that he did pretty well on him in this game. I'm not declining that. I was happy with that. But Nilakina's consistency is a huge red flag for me. He can't be raw forever, guys. He can't be. You can't keep using that excuse. You can't, you know, we can't keep going nuts over the one performance and then saying, man, if we could just get this for a month. Maybe we got something. At some point, you got to say, you know what? He's just not good enough for the team. And that's what I keep coming back on. I, I see the positives. I see what he can do. But I, I just, I, the money for me, I just can't see him making that much money to be inconsistent. Sorry. He's just not worth it. When we could be using that money to maybe pull off something in 2020. I'd be sick to, I, I, I would think you guys would be too, sick to my stomach if we gave Frank Nilakina the option and then he just has a stinker in 2019-20 and you're like, oh, and now we have to keep him for another season. 
That's what I'm trying to avoid as a Nick fan. So we'll see what happens. I'm going to take a break here. When we come back, I'm going to get some more on the USA basketball team and some Ennis Cantor quotes that just uh, almost made me throw a remote at the TV, for lack of a better term. All that and more next, Posting and Toasting Podcast, Friday edition. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, guys, I want to get into some of the Team USA stuff because uh, we've talked about it on the show before. Um, but I'm going to start with, you know what? I'm going to start with the Ennis Cantor stuff first. Um, I I sigh again here for two reasons. Listen, Ennis Cantor, there were, there were two weird things with Ennis Cantor this week. Apparently, he was trolling Knicks fans at Madison Square Garden, winning the WWE belt. Who cares? I'm not talking about that. That's all fake. WWE is fake. If you're 10 years old and or you have a kid who's 10 and, you're, and they're still loving WWE, at some point they're going to find out it's all staged. It's all fake. They told probably told Ennis to say that or Ennis would be like, hey, this would be fun to say. That kind of a thing. Like, like let's be honest. That's all fake. What I, what I did read, however, was what Ennis Cantor said about the Knicks front office and James Dolan on Bleacher Report Howard Beck's Full 48 podcast this week. Here's the quote. Uh, quote, not many people know that, but players talk from different players, or rather from different teams they talk. I'm not blaming anybody. I had an amazing time with the Knicks, but other teammates I tried to, I tried to, or I'd rather I talk to, or if they're on different teams, they always said amazing city. MSG is amazing. Everything's good. But the ownership, they always keep saying, but the ownership, I always tell them the Knicks are amazing. It's the garden. It's the Mecca. If you win in New York, you're the king of the world. Some of the players are, I guess, scared to come here and don't even want to deal with that. End quote. Um, I, I come at this from two ways. One, I, I don't, I'm not sure he's wrong. I don't think he's wrong there by saying that. You know, he clearly, he, he said publicly he was trying to recruit players to come to the Knicks before he, he, he left. And for those that, you know, followed Ennis's career with the Knicks, he clearly had a great time here until the end where he wasn't playing and Fisdale wanted to play the youngsters and, and Ennis had all of those shenanigans about with kissing the court and stuff like that. Didn't buy in. He wanted to play on a playoff team. He got that chance. With the, with the Blazers. And now he's going to get that chance with the Celtics. Good for him. Great. I, I have no ill will in that regard against Ennis Cantor. But what I, what I, the reason why you take this with a grain of salt. And again, I'm not saying that he's wrong with what he's saying. He would know more than anybody about the troubles in recruiting players to the Knicks. And he, he probably talked to some players, maybe even high-level players, that said that. That, that James Dolan is a problem. Which is, to be fair, a little bit of a misconception because now it's Perry Mills and 
Perry, Mills, and Fizdale are running the show. You know, it, Dolan owns the team, but they're running the show with the with the basketball side of this. So it's the perception of the Knicks that's the problem. And I think that's what Ennis is leaning towards when he says that and what other players are saying. And I get that. But this is also coming from the guy that'll say anything to get attention, to say anything on social media that'll go viral. I'm not saying that Ennis Cantor is doing that here. I don't know. But he's done this before to get attention. You know, it's one of those things where, again, I don't think he's wrong, but he could easily be saying this not only because it was posed to him in an interview, I guess. I didn't listen to the interview. I just have the quotes here. And to be fair, that, that, that sometimes can get you into trouble when it's quoted and you didn't hear how it was said. So I'll, even that take with a grain of salt. But it's one of those things where that doesn't mean the Knicks aren't going to get people in 2020 and 2021. Things have changed since Ennis Cantor left. Like, I don't think that people understand that. Ennis Cantor was one of the last players that left that wasn't buying in to this new plan that Perry and Mills and Fisdale have put to the forefront here. So it's 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 twofold. I'm, I'm not saying in the past that, that Ennis has been wrong here. But there's a different future, hopefully, that this plan is going to lead towards. And it's one of those things where you take it with a grain of salt. There's a further quote here. Uh, Cantor didn't want to provide details. Uh, But here's his explanation why the Knicks have been stuck in the mud uh, during this last long stretch. He says, quote, I can tell. I don't get it. I don't get into it too much. The players, when we get into the locker room, we talk about what's going on, he said. And the players always see how the management or how the ownership treat." Other players treat other players around. Um, yeah, that I don't know about that one. I I would not know about that. I don't know if any of us know day to day how the Knicks players are being treated. I have no idea. There have been red flags that have come out under other past Nick regimes, but for me, I'm sticking to the plan. I think we stick to the plan here. This feel again saying stuff like that. This feels like Ennis Cantor throwing in his two cents about a previous time in Knicks history, where we're hoping to put that behind us with this with this plan that he wasn't buying into. Now keep in mind, Ennis Cantor, pretty pretty close friends with Chris Tapps Porzingis in the Daily News article. One of the daily one of the parts of this that I researched. The Daily News article mentions that. How much of of the words are coming from that? I have no idea. But clearly KP, for a lot of other different reasons, wasn't thrilled with what was going on because he wasn't getting his way. So how much of this is the players? How much of this is the ownership? I say both are to blame probably. And it's worth bringing up because this is the perception that that surrounds the Knicks right now is that players don't want to go there. Part of changing that is having a young squad that develops next season. And these kind of things won't come out most likely if that happens. It's stuff that has to change still. But if the Knicks 
do what they need to do, this changes. It does. You know, Coach Fisdale, and one of the other things in the news this week was that Coach Fisdale invited Coach Mike Krzyzewski, the Duke coach, to training camp. Um, obviously, Coach K coached R.J. Barrett for a season at Duke. You know, you get a, he, apparently it was a text inviting him to training camp. Uh, this is from Forbes.com, Adam Zagoria, who covers college basketball and New York sports. Uh, brought this to the forefront this week. I think that's great. Coach K, you know, coached the Team USA squad during those glory years, during those three gold medals. So it's 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 good to have those guys around. That to me says that part of the culture is changing. You you have smarter guys around that can help. That you have that you're connected with through your players or through your own coaching connections. So that that that's good for me. I'm all good on that. But now there's two things we have to start seeing. We got to start seeing the play on the court, and we have to start seeing the free agents in 2020 or 2021 come to the forefront. Those are big asks. I'm not saying they're not. But there's a reason that Kevin Durant was interested for a while in coming to the Knicks. There's a reason that Anthony Davis listed the Knicks among the teams he wanted to come to. So, again, don't take it as all doom and gloom. There's a process in place, and good things could be ahead. All right. Probably talked a little too long about that. But to wrap up the show, I do want to give my two cents on the Team USA basketball situation. Obviously, the good side for Knicks fans is that Frank played well. He was a big reason they won. France move on in the tournament. I think that's also good to see. Frank gets another game. We could see how he builds on this. Where are we at, man, with USA basketball? Goodness gracious. I I get it. And and I've, I've been saying this the whole time. It's not your dad's. It's not even our... It's not even our USA men's basketball. You know, it's not it's not been like that. You know. And this even this year's team for for the FIBA World Cup could have been good. Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry, James Harden. You know, Anthony Davis. These are all guys that could have played that didn't play. That could have complete If two of those guys, Damian Lillard, if two of those guys play, we probably win this thing. But there's no stars on this team. I, I don't care what anybody says about the talent. That was the biggest reason they lost. There's no alpha males on this team. That was the problem even with the really good USA teams. Players had to step up. You know, wait, Kobe had to be the alpha male. 2012, Carmelo and LeBron took the reins. You, you guys have to step up. 2016. Mello again. You know, LeBron again. Russell Westbrook stepped up. Guys that want to be the hero on these teams stepped up. That's for the Olympics specifically. I'm not saying these other teams aren't good. We talked about one of the fan questions on the last show was what other teams besides the U.S. have, have you been following? France have been good. Serbia have been good. Turkey have been good. 
but the the, the Team USA should not be losing in this tournament. And part of the reason is personnel, and part of the reason is that there's just no alpha males on this team. I, let me read off the roster to you. And again, I, I, all I heard yesterday, and, and part of this I agree with, but the other part is mind-numbing to me. Well, the, the Team USA still has all NBA players. They should be winning this. They're playing, they're playing teams like France that only have, what, four NBA players. They should be winning this. Yeah, but when Rudy Gobert's a stud defender and he's dominating the game against guys that he would dominate in the NBA, you need your best out there. And the and U.S. did not have their best. Harrison Barnes, Jalen Brown, Joe Harris, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, Donovan Mitchell, Mason Plumley, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, who I don't even think played, Miles Turner, Miles freaking Turner, Kemba Walker, Derek White. Are you kidding me? Derek White, Joe Harris, Mason Plum, Mason Plumley, Harrison Barnes. Yeah, it's an NBA roster. But how many of these guys would be on the team if the if the A squad was out there? Maybe three of these guys. For me, Jalen Brown, Donovan Mitchell, Kemba Walker, and maybe, maybe Jason Tatum are on that squad. Or may, ugh, I don't even think Chris Middleton. Maybe those four guys are still on this roster. But they ain't getting any playing time. Let's be honest. If the ones were out there, as they say, if LeBron had the had the strength and the time, if you had Harden, Westbrook, Lillard, and Curry available, uh, come on, what are we talking about here? Yes, it's a, it's all NBA players, but there aren't any stars on this roster. Kemba's a heck a heck of a player. But he cannot be the leader on this team. He was the leader on that on the Charlotte team for years. Look what that got the Hornets. What, one, two playoff appearances? Again, it's different. It's against all NBA players. I, I get that. It's disappointing for me. It's disappointing for me. And it clearly matters to you guys as well. It's, again, why I'm bringing this up. A lot of people have been following the U.S. basketball team. It matters. We had that question come up on a couple episodes ago. Does USA basketball still matter? For the players, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. Fans still care, clearly. Fans care about it. There's no question about that. You guys still care, and that's, and that's great to see. It really is. You should care. This is our team. But goodness gracious, what a disgrace. What a disgrace. I don't care if it's just the FIBA World Cup. We, we, should, we have a team that easily beats this France team. We do. But half of the guys that could have been on this team didn't show up. And whether it's low prof, too low profile for them or it's not good for the brand and the Olympics, you know, they'll come around for the Olympics. God, it's disgraceful. It's disgraceful for me. I, I, I don't like it. Let me know what you think in the comments, but 
I, I, I don't like the excuses that I'm hearing about why this USA team didn't come together properly and why they lost this game. Because honestly, this team, honestly, honestly, you can make the argument that this team should have still beaten France and won this tournament. But they haven't played together long enough. And what trumps that? What makes the chemistry part go away? Stars. And this team has no stars. None. Zero. Zilch. Nada. None. There are no superstars on this team. Kemba's a really good player. Donovan Mitchell's a really good player. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can be great players one day. And they're good players now. None of them are stars. And all the stars that we could have had said no, that's a disgrace. That's a disgrace to me. Ugh. I could get further into it, into this. I, I don't know how much more I want to dive into it because it, it, it's frustrating. It doesn't matter anymore. They're out. But you know what would be nice? You know what would be nice? See France go on and win this thing. Maybe that's a lot to ask. I haven't checked who's still left because uh, I've just been in a in a in just a state of shock. I for some reason that the U.S. lost. I, I saw it coming. I I probably didn't pick the U.S at the beginning of this. But for me, it still seemed inconceivable that after 58 straight wins, even with the squad that I just mentioned, that's a bunch of mediocre players that is, you know, specifically for the NBA, that they'd still go on and lose the way they did to France. For France to come from behind and beat you like that. Oh, that's rough, man. That's a bad look. Listen, some guys played well in the tournament. Kemba played well. Donovan Mitchell played well. But they're not good enough to lead this team. Whether it's through leadership or leading by example, not good enough, man. And Greg Popovich probably knew that too. He probably knew it was going to be a tough time with this team. And it didn't work out. And for me, you know, I, listen, Greg Popovich did the best he could probably with this team. Remember, these guys don't play a lot together at all. And they had to come together to play this. And again, what trumps that? What makes that easier? Is when, it's when you have stars. It's when you have stars. And listen, this would have been a lot worse if this happened at the Olympics. I'll give you that. But this matters for the Olympics. Qualification now for the U.S. just got a little bit harder. For the 2020 Olympics. You win this and you get an automatic bid. And now they didn't even get to the medal rounds in this. Now they got to qualify. Who's going to play for that? Who's going to play? This squad? I, I mean, if if I'm if, if if I were you, I would not want this squad representing me again. At any U.S. competition. Any competition the U.S. are at. I don't want these guys out there. And I'm a little surprised that the outrage isn't a little more around this. I am. I'm a little surprised. But hey, listen. I get it. Your team matters more. Your NBA team matters more. Which is why, as you should, Knicks fans are buzzing right now that Frank's playing well. And listen, I'll say, I will give you this. I just, I again, I stood my ground on Frank earlier on in the show. If France goes on and gets gold at the World Cup and Frank's a part of that, you know, he gives me three consistent games where he plays well. 
we can rediscuss this. I'm telling you, again, it's a three-game sample. Again, not all against NBA players with a different team. But what I'm, my biggest problem is his consistency. Can he do it for two, three weeks? Can he be a factor in the team for a long stretch of the season where you're thinking, Frank's part of this. We need Frank if we want to win. Because that, to me, leads you to the, at the end of this season, which I, where I still think you, you've already denied the option, where you say, you know what? Frank's a part of this. We want him back. We're going to re-sign him. Because if you don't, you get rid of them. We don't want people that, that, that aren't going to help the cause, that aren't good enough. So we'll see what happens. Again, folks, I'm going to head out on that note. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. You guys have been awesome. Next week, questions should be back. We'll have, a, we'll have the questions pop up on Twitter, and we'll have them pop up on the postingandtoasting.com website. Hopefully, we'll have a new name for the show next week as well. If you have any more suggestions, this is your last call <laughs> to send them in uh, for the new show name going into episode 12. We're hoping to tack on the new show name for that episode. And until then, thank you guys as always for listening to the show. Make sure you like uh, the show. Share it with your friends. Make sure you give us uh, five stars and a good rating and review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And I will see you guys next week on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Friday edition.